0: Hey, good morning, RCC. Pastor Ben here, excited to close out our four-week teaching series called Summer Playlist. And I really hope that it was an encouragement to you as you heard from different folks at RCC and just hearing their heart and what... Uh, scripture is really resonating with them uh, during this season. And I'm really excited because next Sunday, are you ready, church? Next Sunday, we are reopening our in-person gatherings and services, and we hope that you would join us. You can jump on our website, rccsalem.com, and reserve your tickets uh, even for next Sunday. And I hope that you would do that and hope that you would join us uh, I have the pleasure of talking about a text that I've really been reading and just um, uh, sifting through during this quarantine season. And that's Psalm 23. And I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles or uh, if you have the Bible app, turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. You know, before uh, we even knew what COVID-19 was, and before the pandemic and the shutdown, we had just finished. I know it, it's four. It was four months ago. It seems like forever. We had just finished our mission and vision series, and I want to share with you again what our mission is. It's not. It's just. It's not a play on words or a nice sentiment. It's really our white hot passion. It's why we do what we do. And our mission at RCC is simply this: inviting people to journey with Jesus. And you might, you know, hear that for the first time or yet again and you might think, "Oh, okay, invitation is for somebody that's not yet part of something." So that, that that's for new people, right, Ben? Well, you would be correct. We want to be a church that is welcoming and willing to invite anyone to journey with Jesus. However, the invitation to journey with Jesus changes. And it looks different as we follow Jesus and we get older and different seasons in our life happen. Even with the global pandemic, what does it look like to still be invited in to journey with Jesus in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of a global shutdown and stay-at-home orders? What does it look like to take what I'm experiencing and putting it at Jesus' feet and saying, okay, Jesus, if you're my guide and if you're my shepherd, what am I to do With what I'm experiencing. And that's what we're going to talk about today, friends. And so we're going to look at one of my favorite Psalms in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 23. And here's my big idea that I want to share with you today. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. And that is this, the journey inward needs a guide. The journey inward needs a guide. One of our four discipleship pathways at RCC is that we would journey inward. And the reason why behind that is simply this, we've communicated who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing. And so who, how and who and what you're becoming as a result of COVID-19 is very important to me as your pastor, uh, as your leadership team in your church, but also to Jesus He cares a great deal about what this season of life is doing in and through you and the person you're becoming. Some of it you're choosing on your own, and some of it it's happening to you, and you're not really sure how to actually process that. And so I want to take uh, some time today to talk about what that looks like in the context and in the lens of Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23 reads this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack Nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We said that the big idea is that the journey inward needs a guide. And so I want to share with you a few different highlights of what I think David is getting at today. And the first one is this, pretty simple. Every journey needs a guide. And David writes in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now there's different names throughout scripture as the writers try to describe God, right? Which is a really big task. Well, in one sense in the New Testament, the word Lord is translated uh, Adonai. And it simply means the Lord. And it's really, it's really a word for, it's a title of position, right? And so <clears throat> you go to work and you get the memo that you're getting a new boss or a new employee. And that's really all you know, right? You know that a new boss is coming in. That's not what is terrifying or encouraging to you or your coworkers. You want to know what kind of boss, right? Or what kind of employee is now on your team for your company's project. It's not so much that, The the title or the position is coming in, it's who actually is behind that title. And I think a lot of us ask that question, whether you're journeying with Jesus, you attend RCC, or maybe you're not really following any faith whatsoever. You ask the question, if there is a God, what kind of God is God? Well, David is telling us, not only is he the Lord, but he's also Adonai, but he's also Yeshua, Right, and Yeshua simply means the Lord saves. That's the kind of God the writers of Scripture paint for us. Right? He, he's not a—he's not just some a God that's often at distance, or uh, uh, he—you he, know—he prefers to rule from a, a position instead of influence. No, our God, as David describes, is a, is a God that saves you must care for somebody at a soul level if you're remotely interested in saving somebody. You see, David talks about a God that cares for us at the soul level, right? In other words, Jesus is the overseer of our soul, right? Every journey inward needs a guide. Every journey needs a guide, And if we are the guide, that's not Christianity, friends, that's that's humanism. That's self-help books at Barnes & Noble. We need somebody outside of us to help us understand and unravel what is going on inside of us. Does that make sense? We need somebody outside of us who's been there, done that, and experienced that, to help us unravel what is happening inside of us. And David goes, I know his name is the Lord. The Lord saves, which we have come to believe is Jesus himself. One of the great Baptist preachers, Charles Spurgeon, once wrote, there cannot be a flock without a shepherd. Neither is there a shepherd truly without a flock. The two must go together. We are Christ's sheep. To belong, uh, to belong to a king corrals some measure of distinction. We are the sheep of the imper- imperial pastures. What a beautiful statement. What a true reality that every uh, sheep needs a shepherd. Every church needs to be led by the chief shepherd, Jesus himself. And notice what David says. Because Jesus is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Do, like, think about that. Do you have, is, it, is there any other relationship in your life right now where you have so much confidence in that person, right? Maybe it's a spouse, a friend, uh, a, a fitness trainer, a coworker, a boss, where you say, because this person is in my life, I don't lack anything else. I have everything I need in this person, in this marriage, in this boss, in this friendship, in this neighbor, in this coworker. No, you've never said that because that would be placing God things on human people, and God things on human people, ultimately, they crush us. And David is saying, because Jesus is my shepherd, he's my God, and he's helping me unravel what's happening inside of me, then, and because of, I lack nothing. Every journey needs a guide. Secondly, David is saying, every Every good guide provides. And in verse two through three, David writes, he, talking about the good shepherd Jesus, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Now, let me tell you something. You may or may not know this. Um, I'm not speaking from firsthand. I'm just reading books here. Being a shepherd, it's really tough work. Not only do you have to keep your sheep safe and, I don't know, alive to get from point A to point B, but you have to provide for them. And so David is going to give us this shepherd analogy to tell us the kind of shepherd and guide and pastor that Jesus is for us. And he says, one of the ways a good guide protects is that he gives his sheep nourishment, and, it's, and it's, um, it's not a coincidence that David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That would, if an Old Testament uh, person was reading that little uh, verse that David wrote, he would know this. What he's talking about is the necessity for sheep to have good nutrition. And when a shepherd is looking for good nutrition, he's looking for green, lush pastures for his sheep to eat off of. And for us, that is the word of God. That is the word of God. And when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, when a shepherd would see his sheep eating and then lying down, that, that signified to the shepherd that that sheep is now content. He's full. He, he, he consumed enough nutrition that he would need for the journey. And that's exactly what Jesus does when he gives us his word. It's the invitation to eat off and to be nourished by the word of God. We, we just got out of a, uh, a six-week series called Feed Yourself, where we talked about the importance of reading God's word. And then David says, not only does he give me a pasture to eat from, not only does he give us the word of God to eat from, but he leads me by still waters where I can actually drink from. Now, if you know me, you'll, you'll probably laugh at this, but uh, I, I scare easily. I mean, if, if I'm in my office, all you have to do is, is, is just sort of peer your head into my office and just yell my name, or just strongly whisper my name, and I will freak out. I've always been a jumpy kid, afraid of the dark. I don't do scary movies. It's just not really my thing. And I think David hits the nail on the head when he talks about a sheep being led to quiet, still water so that the sheep can drink. Because a sheep will not drink if the river or the body of water is raging, right? If it's it crashing, gets rocks splashing on their faces, they, they don't feel that it's safe to drink from that river. Are we not the same way, friends? Right? Consider all of the range of emotions you've experienced the past four months while in quarantine. I think that's true of us. I think that's true of our inward journey. When we allow fear and anxiety and guilt and depression, frustration, addictions to technology, uh, self-help, alcohol, all of these things we're doing to try to get us through uh, pre-COVID to post-COVID, They startle us on the inside, and when we're afraid, if we're honest, because why not, David is, we're not willing to drink from streams of living water. And what David is linking, the the analogy to, to water here, as grass is to God's word, water is to the spirit of God. Oftentimes, we as Christians do not have a settled spirit because we're allowing life, the things around us, and our emotions to dominate us. And while the gift of God's word, why the Bible is a gift in that it gives us nourishment for us to uh, rest well, the Holy Spirit is also a gift that we might actually live in peace. No- notice Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. What is the work of righteousness, right? That's a beautiful way to say Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins and our attempts at goodness. Thinking church attendance, reading the Bible, giving, all the right things will somehow keep us in favor with God. We know that our sin cost Jesus' life, but we often don't talk about that our goodness and our attempts at morality also cost Jesus his life. And when you come to terms with that I can be bad and good in the presence of love, and Jesus still wants to follow me, that gives us assurance. That actually gives us peace. That's what Isaiah is talking about, the effect of righteousness, and that I can be both good and bad, In this thing called life, as I'm wrestling through COVID-19 and quarantine and all my emotions, I can be both bad and good in the presence of love. And here's what that does to a person. Isaiah tells us, it helps us to be quiet and assured. I I don't know how much you uh, live online, but quiet and assured are not two words that I would use to describe everything that's happened in the world in our country, at least online. This is why David says, Jesus is a good guide. He's outside of us, helping us unravel what's going on inside of us. And admittedly, all of us, including myself, we've all lost our cool in person and online over these last four months. And this is an invitation in your journey with Jesus to get back to reading the word of God and to be quiet and still enough for his spirit to calm yours. Psalm 37.3 says, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. In other words, create margin in your life. Remind yourself, right, of the faithfulness of God. And if you have a hard time reminding yourself of how God's been faithful to you, focus on the cross. If you can't think of anything currently, focus on the cross and his faithfulness to die for you on your behalf, uh, for your sin and your goodness. If you can't think of anything else, focus on the cross. And David talks about this idea that when sheep eat well and drink well, they feel held together by the love of God or by their shepherd. And I want you to practice that this week. Take some time to read Psalm 23 or get out of the house, go for a walk, go for a run, listen to some worship music. Find ways to remind yourself of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, so that you might quiet your spirit and again, reassure yourself of the gift of your salvation, that you can be both bad and good in the presence of love. Every good guide, every, every journey needs a good guide, and every good guide, right, offers provision. He provides for their sheep. Thirdly, a good guide protects his sheep. In Psalm 23, verse four, the writer says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or maybe your translation says, the valley of the shadow of darkness, I will feel fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Uh, This is one of my favorite verses in the chapter because I love the background of what David is saying. The the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death was sort of uh, structured in between Judea and Jerusalem. Uh, If you're familiar with the Bible, Jesus told a lot of stories called parables. And one of the stories he told, I believe it's in Luke uh, chapter 10, it's called the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus says uh, a guy was walking down the road uh, and he got jumped and people robbed him, took the money and left. And then all of these Jewish religious leaders that should have helped their fellow Jew did not. But it was a Samaritan, right? That came alongside this guy, helped him, nursed him back to health, paid for a hotel, put clothes on his back, food in his belly, and took care of this guy. Where did that happen? Though we know that parables are made up stories to to prove a point, Jesus had a place in mind. And it was the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Now, when you think about the Valley of the Shadow of Death, this, this canyon in between Judea and Jerusalem, uh, if you think about the Grand Canyon, you kinda, you're kind of close. It's smaller than the Grand Canyon. But when, when Jesus tells this parable of the Good Samaritan, and the guy he's telling it to, he says, well, who is my neighbor, right? It may be, I don't really want to help that person, but I don't want to walk all the way down into that canyon. You see, this canyon that David's talking about, it was nicknamed the Bloody Pass or the Bloody Passway because of how deep the canyon was and how many switchbacks there were. It was a great place to rob people, to jump people, to kill people, and to even take their money. Dr. Martin Luther King once talked about this in a speech or a sermon that he gave that he and his wife actually traveled this canyon and he said it was the scariest thing that he had ever experienced in his life. And you know what? When Jesus finished his public ministry and he started to make a beeline to the cross and head to Jerusalem, Jesus himself had to walk through this valley of the shadow of death that David is talking about. But there's good gospelness in this. I want you to listen to this quote uh, by Robert Morgan, who wrote the book, The Lord is My Shepherd. There is no such thing as a real death for the Christian. God's children never travel through Death Valley. Jesus took that route in our place. For us, there is uh, no uh, Death Valley. It's only the shadow of death. And since Jesus rose from the dead three days after his crucifixion, he's an excellent tour guide. You see, the reason why Jesus is the only guide that can lead us through death is because he himself died in our place for our sins and rose again three days later. He's the only one that made it through Death Valley. He's the only one that went through death and made it out alive. And so when David is writing to the Christian, it's not that we're walking through Death Valley, but the shadow of Death Valley, because somebody has already gone before us and has died in our place for our sins. And what does David say? My shepherd, Jesus has a rod and a staff. What's a rod used for? To beat away any animals or any enemies trying to steal away the sheep. And what is a staff for? A staff with a little hook is for when we try to run off and we get too scared and we get too nervous, a good shepherd takes the staff with the hook, grabs us by the neck and pulls us back in to remind us, you're safest with me. You're safest with the sheep. You're safest in community with the church, not out on your own trying to make sense of life and reality apart from me. This is how good our God is. This is how good our Jesus is, that he not only guides us, he provides for us, he protects us, and fourthly and finally, a good guide Prepares. In verses five and six, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is talking about is the end of a shepherd's journey. And so what you need to be thinking about when David says he prepares that you prepare a table for me he 's talking about um, an area called the tablelands, or think of uh, multiple plateaus right so he gets to the end of the journey and there 's nothing for his sheep and so a good shepherd is finding ways to uh, make sure that there 's enough grass right he 's working the land, working the soil to provide grass, and not only that, probably with help. He's digging out different parts of the, uh, the plateau or the area that he's in so that he can create wells for his sheep to drink from. Now, think about that for a second. The sheep, like us, are often out of sight, out of mind. We're just like looking around, wondering, you know, where's God? What's going to happen? And the whole time we're on our journey with Jesus, he's providing and preparing a way for us to eat to drink, and to sleep well, right? Without the sheep even fully realizing it. And then David says, you anoint my head with oil. Well, what was oil used for in a shepherd's journey? It was used to heal, heal cuts and bruises and scrapes. If, if a shepherd uh, or if a sheep, you know, was attacked by an animal, he started bleeding. Oil was an agent to heal his sheep, You think about that, right? If we're honest, some of us are really busted up in this season, and rightly so. We've never experienced anything like a pandemic. And how good of a God is Jesus? He says he's willing to put oil on us and to cleanse us and to heal us, right? Sort of a head nod to Revelation 21 verse 4. When Jesus uh, it promises us that He will wipe every tear from our eyes. He'll uh, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Like even at the end of our journey with Jesus, friends, He's still playing restaurant host. He's providing us a way, a way for us to even thrive in this current reality. And here's what I love about how David ends this chapter. He says, surely goodness and love, or some translations, goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So goodness and mercy, or goodness and love, same thing, will follow me from this life until I get into heaven. Now, every good shepherd would have sheepdogs, right? Some sort of animal that would herd the sheep, Um, sheep, I don't know if you know this, uh, aren't the brightest uh, tool in the shed. Uh, And so sheepdogs would run alongside the sheep to make sure they fall in line. And if a sheep were to sort of, you know, there goes Bob wandering down the ravine or down the hill, the sheepdogs would go after them and bark at them to make sure the sheep would go up the hill back into the fold. And so David says, Jesus is a shepherd like that. He has so, you know, for the sake of the analogy, sheepdogs walking alongside his sheep. And, w- and what are they? What is the metaphor? What is the thing that Jesus uses to keep us in line, right? That sounds very legalistic and very religious. But David says, the thing that calls us back or should call us back into the fold, back in line with community, back into the church is Jesus's goodness and his love his goodness, and his mercy. What a beautiful reminder, right? That even when we walk away from the church, we walk away from Jesus, uh, surely this season is hopefully like none we've ever experienced or will ever experience again. And so we're finding ourselves doing things that we didn't think we would do. And yet David reminds us when we, f- when we walk away from God, down the hill, down the ravine, when we're done with church, we're done with Jesus, we're going to do our own thing, Jesus sends his sheepdogs after us. And so maybe, I don't know what your church background is, but maybe you think, okay, here comes the judgment, here comes the condemnation. But what does Jesus use to come after us? When David says, follow all of the days of my life, the word is hunt right? These sheepdogs hunt down the lost sheep. And so what does Jesus use? He uses his goodness and love or his goodness and mercy to hunt us down, to bring us back, to remind us that we're better in community, we're better in the fold, and we're better under the guidance, the provision, and the protection of our good shepherd that Jesus claimed to be in John chapter 10 may you be reminded this weekend that the journey inward needs a guide. And Jesus is the good guide that protects us, provides for us, and helps us unwind or unravel what is going on inside of us.